But I don't know if you know, but uh, how do you feel about uh, your Jeremy Lin edition can being uh, out on the market and scalpers are selling it? You mean people are selling, are like I swear reselling to God. them for above market on I swear to God, dude. eBay? I, I wouldn't be surprised if you find it on StockX. <laughs> yeah, I gotta look for that. If that's happening, Dude. then like I have a can next to me, which, <laughs> yeah. I, which I was gonna drink, but now I'm Dude, not gonna drink it. I still, I still have one can. I'm like, every time I open my fridge, I'm like, I can't open this. <laughs> Welcome to. The Worst Asian Podcast, where a couple Asian American millennials give you our shitty opinions on all things Asian. My name is Linji, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Hello, sir. I am very excited for our guest today. He does not know this, but I am not drinking. So whenever we go into these events for networking or there's stuff going on in in the city here in uh, New York City... Mm-hmm. There's always alcoholic uh, beverages, yes, usually, and they're free. And you know me, Ben. <laughs> I love my alcoholic beverages. Yeah, but you do. this year entirely, our guest and his product has been keeping me company during all these events. Yeah, it's kind of like your AA partner. Uh, vodka, soda, hold vodka. Yes. That's yeah. all for me at <laughs> all these events. Let's welcome onto the podcast the founder of Sanzo, Sandro Rocco. Hey, what's up, guys? And wow, that's super dope. I did not realize you'd been um you know going sober for the last year how's the how's the journey been <laughs> yeah how how you feeling man? um just for some context i drink a lot i just like drinking at home you know you know how some people have dinner and then post dinner you want like a uh, something sweet like a dessert or something right yeah so for me usually my entire life post dinner i would just have like a small you know two small fing- bottle <laughs> <laughs> like a two finger <laughs> glass of scotch or something like that was my post meal thing mm-hmm. so it's not about like me drinking to get like super smashed yeah, when Linji, you know how guys have a protein shake after workout? Linji has a tall glass of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been kind of tough, which is why I'm so thankful that you have your product at a lot of these events. Dude, at every event that we go to, 99% of the events here, you're sponsoring. Oh, yeah. I mean, fortunately, I don't know, it kind of goes into, I guess, like kind of like the roots of the brand, but that's what that was like intentional from the beginning. And I guess word has since spread. And so I think we end up being one of the first few calls or emails when folks are hosting events like specifically here in New York, um, increasingly now in LA and San Francisco. Congrats. So it's like super cool to see because also like it also helps me see, oh, okay, these people have this thing going on. Oh, like here's this awesome new like nonprofit or like advocacy group that's going on. So it's actually a cool way for me to see what the community has been building over the last few years because like from when we started, um, you know, back in 2019 till now, like there's just been so many more, you know, new orgs and uh, like yeah. just general like collectives of people like organizing and, and doing stuff. So it's been it's been awesome to see the community like literally like build before our own eyes over the last few years. Exactly, things have been growing, and you guys have been growing at simultaneously around the same exact time. Um, we didn't get into it. You want to give a quick intro on yourself, who you are, and what you do for a living? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Sandra Rocco. I am the founder and CEO of Sanzo. Uh, we're the first Asian-inspired non-alcoholic uh, sparkling water. <laughs> um, we know that there's since been there's a pretty rich ecosystem now of folks across the board. But um, yeah, we're, we're a non-alcoholic sparkling water. We use real, real fruit juice and no added sugars to flavor our drinks. 
I founded the company in July 2019. So been at it for about three and a half years now, which is crazy to say because like as I've been doing more of these interviews, it's like yeah. the timeline gets like further and further out, and I realize how much older I'm getting uh, as I'm doing these uh, as I'm doing these intros. But yeah, founded the apart founded the company in my 500 square foot studio apartment in oh damn uh, in Long Island City, Queens. Good respect. And yeah, I've since been just kind of going at it. You know, it was a team. It was it was just it was just myself in the earliest days with my now wife kind of helping help, help helping me out. Um, the team has since grown. We now have about 17, 18 employees, and I'm sure we'll go further into it. But it's been kind of a crazy. Crazy few years, both for like the business, imagine, but also yeah. like I think for any entrepreneur or any business owner, like from like pandemic, supply chain crisis, now inflation slash talks of a recession, and it's just been like kind of relentless. But um, we're still we're still here. <laughs> just to quickly dive into that Queens thing, you said you were from Long Island City, Queens. When we met last time, we talked about the story <laughs> about Flushing Hospital. Listeners to the podcast know that Ben over here was born at Flushing Hospital, Queens' very own. Yes. But surprisingly, you are also a product. Technically, technically, I'm doing <laughs> quotation marks. You are technically a product of Flushing Hospital as well, right? That is correct for uh, about a day and a half. And then <laughs> my, my, my parents at the time, and I, it's, it's funny, but like the, yeah, my, my parents at the time, it was, so I was, I was the, I'm, I'm the third of three boys. And between, when my parents found out they were having me, they were like, well, we can't live in, like, we didn't want to live in Flushing anymore. We wanted to get, they wanted to get more space, um, you know, to raise the three of us. So, uh, they moved out, but they still had me in in Flushing. So I'm technically uh, Queens born, <laughs> but very much uh, Jersey raised. <laughs> you are a Flushing Hospital alumni, <laughs> so yeah. you know uh, it's an honor. You uh, know, I was joking last time. Like you guys were probably at the at the hospital at the same time together. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's like my mom that's was cool. like yelling in the other room. Your mom was like, "Oh, get out of here!" and stuff like that. So yeah. <laughs> I think I'm good with not thinking about our parents giving birth to us right now. <laughs> <laughs> my mom reminds me all the time. She's like, you know how long it took for you to come out? Oh my gosh, she always she always reminds She's me. She's gonna hold that against you for the rest of your life. For life, yo. That's why I gotta always I gotta gift her. Not to say anything negative about Flushing Hospital, but most people here would rather not be born at Flushing Hospital. Like there are nicer adjacent hospitals in this area. So you, can you and your family were the only people I've ever heard of that drove from Jersey over to Flushing <laughs> to specifically go to Flushing Hospital. So she was, my mom was still working in the city. So actually her, she always loves to tell me when wow. we're walking along, when we're walking in Soho, that like, because I think she used to work on Prince Street. And this was still back in you know the late 80s where it was like, wow. it's not, Soho is not, was it's not It's a rough what neighborhood it back then. Yeah, New York back then was yeah. pretty rough, yes. So like her story was like she went into labor at the end of the workday and so hailed her own cab to take her to the hospital. I was like, wow, that is pretty that is pretty badass. Like I I do not have that level of fortitude. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully we'll never have to. Yeah, it's crazy hearing like our parents tell their stories about how, how tough they are, you know, and yeah. how easy they made it look. Nowadays, like, you know, given where we are in our lives and everything, like we're a bit more prosperous. We have access to more medical care, stuff like that. Yeah. I can imagine how much harder it was for our older generation parents to have to deal with stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Before you started doing uh, Sanzo, what was your career path before this? Yeah. It's pretty confused, I think one would say, <laughs> about my, like, you know, from my what, coming out of college and basically throughout my entire 20s. So my degree was in chemical engineering, which really has nothing to oh. do very very little to do with launching a beverage brand. I actually it came in more handy here than it has, you know, in, in any other job. 
but like my my first role out of college was I used to work at a nuclear power plant. Dude, you're Homer Simpson. <laughs> you are literally Homer Simpson. I was just gonna say the same. Shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, a mug of coffee and a you know thing of donuts and fall asleep. A stick of uranium <laughs> on the back of your shirt. Yeah. Oh my god. I have gotten that a lot. Wow. As you would as you would imagine, though, like, uh, and, and, and this is a good thing. It was actually not a super eventful job, which is again, it's a good thing. You don't want your nuclear engineers to be, yeah, you know, exactly. working very eventful uh, days. And so, you know, did that for three years. Honestly, I kind of knew within six months that it wasn't for me. Um, but you know, I graduated into the financial crisis, and that's where a lot of the better jobs, that's where the more you know, sturdy jobs were, time. So yeah, I mean, ended up being there for three years. I actually learned a lot, if I'm being honest, about like how, like it's been interesting because you know now I this year I actually just hit my 10 year anniversary of living in in New York City. I mean, I started in oh. Manhattan, then went to Queens, and then I'm now in Brooklyn. And for for better or worse, and it's really not anyone's fault who, for people who who just moved to the city after college and only know the city life. But it is interesting how um, how different lives and mentalities about life and everything are between uh you know working out in a more rural environment and the city like i'm obviously a much more uh city person but like uh, the job itself has very little at least to me value in what like the rest of my life will be but mm-hmm. if anything it was like oh having an appreciation for how folks who live in more rural environments like what they value like who they are as people and it's like like that was actually a pretty formative experience in how i think about even launching the the sanzo brand because now you know, we're sold not just in New York City or LA or SF, but like, you know, our our distribution is becoming a bit more national. And so even when we go into places that are not along the coastal cities, like even just the terminology and like the, the way people think about culture is different. It's different. And and it, it, it's not it's not better or worse, but it's just, you know, having an appreciation for that, I think it definitely, definitely helped. Is the strategy slightly different when you're in uh, different markets? Because I know like here in New York, we have a heavy Asian population here. So I would, you know, there is a large uh, demographic here for your product. When you go into like, I don't know, just some random place in the middle of the country, is the marketing, is the advertising, is even the product itself like slightly different or like tweaked or anything like that? Yeah, um, very much so. And I think it's it's been a great learning and I think gives advantages, if I'm being honest, to marketers or folks who maybe did not grow up in like, in like I did not grow up in Flushing or I did not grow up in uh, like the San Gabriel Valley or in like Oakland or something like that, because it just is different. Yeah. What's good though, or what, what has been very interesting, I think over the last few years is seeing the evolution or like the rippling out of Asian culture past the cities. Because I think sometimes yes. even I get surprised and have to actually give folks a bit more credit as to like, oh, you saw Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings or Parasite or you or like you listen to K-pop and you're not a person that I would have you know originally pinned there and that's actually my bad for making bad presumptions. So like it's a bit of a roller coaster because sometimes I walk into a room and not know what people know. So I I, I don't I don't want to assume anything because oh, that's I think true. If, I, if, if I do then you're kind of talking over people's heads. I want to meet people where they are, but where they are actually takes sometimes a little bit of like like figuring out. But I, lo- I actually love the journey because that's actually very akin to my own personal one, which yeah, has been like, I'll say like where, where I grew up in Jersey and even just like my own personal self-identity, like I didn't really come into my own Asian American identity until way later in life. I mean, I'm 35 now and I probably only started appreciating or even having a sense of like, 
oh, I should have pride around my identity about seven to 10 years ago. And that's pretty late in life, right? Like between 25 yeah, and 27, 28. Was creating the brand like, I guess, a way for you to then learn more about your own culture? Or did you already start having that interest prior to starting the brand? Like which thing led to the other? The brand created your interest or your interest created the brand? I think my interest created the brand. And it really was the duality of, hey, I am growing to really appreciate more about my parents' immigrant journey and also like the rise of API culture mm-hmm. as like a real like movement here in America. And also, I'll admit, like most of my friends from college, I went to Villanova, which especially at the time that I was oh, there sure. was very, was quite white. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and all my friends are like amazing people that I love and are of high values, but uh, just didn't have that kind of exposure. And so feeling like, oh, I could be a bridge and also wanting them to learn a little bit more about me from from that side because they just didn't know that about me because I just never had really an avenue or a mechanism to show that. And so the brand in many ways, I say for both of those reasons, was like a journey that I wanted to go on because I thought it would be valuable to myself and to the people around me. Yeah. Ben and I have had that very similar journey. Like uh, through this podcast, we've learned to finally learn more about the culture, yeah. other people's cultures. I always joke, and this is like half joke, half serious. Like we were just really shitty kids that just kind of didn't care about our own culture growing up. I'm yeah. curious, like what was your upbringing? Like were you not exposed to your culture or did you just as a kid, as all teenagers would, just didn't care that much about it? I think it was more the latter. It's funny. I was just having, you know, my, my parents and I were talking a bit about like our upbringing and my mom would so we lived yeah when we lived in jersey it was about an hour drive into into the city and frequently my mom would want to take us to chinatown and and eat and like really in in, in our area of jersey there's like it still hadn't really developed yet mm-hmm. the enclaves of api families and we were the ones who were fighting it um because we just i think wanted to like I think you the we kids were fighting it the kids were fighting it because we were just like, yeah. we were growing up in a world that was like, not that. And I guess we just didn't want anything different or it either didn't feel cool or whatever. I mean, I, I wish, and I would love to tell a story about like, Hey, that I've always loved my culture growing up. And this is a way for me to tap into it. And I think food honestly was the way in which yes. I got into it. If you look at photos of me from when I was a kid, like uh, when I was a child, like I don't weigh that much more now than I did when I was 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> So food was a very easy way for to connect with me. So yeah, I mean, I wish my story was a lot neater. No, I think that's much more down to earth. That's much yeah. more relatable. I respect your mom for the hour drive just for you to like have a meal. Ben always says this, like the way into someone else's culture is first and foremost through their food. Yeah. And seeing more familiar flavor, seeing more familiar dishes in uh, restaurants and in the supermarket expanding just the international aisle at the yep, supermarket yep. and just having yep. those things that would have previously been in the international aisle and having them now just scattered through like the other exactly. stuff. So like soy sauce shouldn't be kept in the international aisle. It should just be kept Facts. in the condiment aisle, right? Facts. Right. That's how you expose kids at a younger generation to say that, hey, this is kind of normal. Well said. Yeah, no, I think we've been, we want to call it fortunate or just it, it was just kind of an, an intentional part of the initial pitch we've not been placed in those aisles. Like we get placed next to the quote unquote, like mainstream or like American beverage brands, which was always the pitch. I think kudos to the folks who run these grocery stores because that's actually, it's an intentional decision that they make where to place an item. 
Mm. Kudos to them. Also, kudos to our community and also to like folks like outside of API who who like get it because I think we were you know when we launched in 2019, like we were among the we were among the first ones in, and so I had to have a lot of hard conversations, um, you know, with these buyers and kind of convince them. And fortunately, over the last few years, that conversation's been a lot easier. Mm, thank God. And there's also a lot of other brands around us, like in other aisles, you know, I specifically think of what Fly by Jing has done specifically in the condiments world. And like she and I talk pretty frequently about how our brands, I think, have like have had to go through those hard conversations. But, you know, with each successive one, it has gotten um, it has gotten quite a bit easier. Speaking about, you know, making it this far, is there was there any like uh, test flavors that you did that you're like, ah, nah, not this one? Uh, I was playing around and it's funny because it's not really even indigenous to, it's not even native to, to any Asian country. But when I first started the brand, I was just generally playing with different fruits. There's one part where I was like, okay, we can go down this Asian inspired thing, or we yeah. can just be generally like fruit inspired sparkling water, fruit infused sparkling water. And I started playing around with papaya. I love papayas. Yeah. So papaya <laughs> tastes amazing. Yeah. But, but what happens in the world of, uh, carbonating a beverage is that all of the aromas that you would get from a fruit like uh, get amplified uh, so the second you smelled the papaya it was like wait do they smell bad i'm I trying to process kinda, if they forgot. actually smell bad because they taste delicious but does yeah. it actually smell off-putting no right so i can't say it's surprising when you carbonate it it smells a little <laughs> bit like smelly feet it's not to the same <laughs> level as uh Durian? durian? I was going to yeah, say, you turned it, it into like durian. durian. You turned it into durian. So that means if you were to oh, try a, a durian flavor, it would just yeah. like 10x the smell. Yeah. And I'll say for for kind of shits and giggles, we've been seeing <laughs> how that could go. A durian sparkling water. <laughs> Nothing to report on. But I do have a friend who's been doing the R&D on that one. And uh, I, owe him a, I owe him a very good holiday present. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably like, God, now I got to breathe through my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> What is the top flavor right now? I'm curious. Uh, what do you guys think it is? Lychee. I'm always curious. Yeah. Okay. Lychee. It has to yeah. be. It has to be lychee. Bingo. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Do you guys say lychee or lychee? I say lychee. Lychee, lychee? I say lychee. In Filipino culture, most people will say lychee, but oh. um, my my Chinese friend, like she would say lychee. And I'm like, hey, if that's what you're saying, I know it's indigenous to China, so like, I'm going with whatever you're saying. So you switched it up? I switched it up. Lychee, yeah. and I say lychee. Yep. Um, speaking of flavors, people that are just listening to the audio only can't see this, but Pear, you guys do a lot of charitable stuff. You want to tell me about this Linsanity collaboration? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, fortunately, as part of one of our earlier investment rounds, we had an investor come in who ended up being the chief you know, financier and executive producer for 38 at the Garden. Um, and also just shout out like if folks haven't seen it, although hopefully you would have if you're paying attention to anything going on in our world. But if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Great documentary. Shout out to Frank. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Shout out to Frank. 38, you know, 38 minute documentary on HBO. Go see it. It's going to get nominated for a bunch of awards. It Pumped is. It up. is. And fortunately got uh, invited to their uh, initial screening at Tribeca Film Festival. And Jeremy was able to attend that. And so just kind of hit it off with him. And I don't know that I exactly had a plan for what to do, but once I, once we got to talking at the uh, at the rap party, I was immediately like, okay, we gotta. I went back and just like couldn't stop thinking about whose idea was it, yours or his? Uh, it was mine. Nice. Yeah, you know, linked with his business team at the event, 
and just did a pretty hard pitch for about a month or two, just chasing them down. Wow. <laughs> nice. Just to see if they would be down. And yeah, fortunately they were just, I mean, they've been phenomenal, phenomenal partners to work with. But yeah, we took it like a solid 90, 95% of the way. And we were just like, nice. we don't even know if you want this, but we're sending you a mock of what we think it would look like. Oh, damn. Uh, damn. We did all, we, and they're just like, wow, this looks awesome. Let's go. Let's figure it out. So it was your idea for this particular flavor, Asian pear, because I was surprised when you guys dropped this. I was like, oh, they didn't have an Asian pear flavor before. I don't remember ever. Yeah. Like, I feel like you guys were one of the first to do Asian pear. For folks who you know, haven't been necessarily following our journey, and that's cool, but we've done collabs before uh, for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and for Turning Red, which is a Pixar film. And there we took our, our lychee flavor and just yeah. kind of did like a custom can around that. And I'll say like, you know, we could have done this, we could have done that again, but we wanted to... Learning process, right? Yeah, we just wanted to do something different. You know, we just thought that there was an opportunity to do to do more. We thought Jeremy in particular and what he's done for AAPI and specifically the sports world has been so yeah. revolutionary. And so it felt like it required its own new limited edition flavor. I'm not going to lie, but uh, thank you for the invite when we went to see the premiere. But uh, my biggest regret was not getting more of the cans. Oh, we can send you guys more. That's easy. Oh, by the way, uh, Sanza, I don't know if you know this, uh, <laughs> but I don't know if you know, but uh, how do you feel about uh, your Jeremy Lin edition can being uh, out on the market and scalpers are selling it? Wait, what? Yeah, so I was just like looking, you know, because I ran out and I was like, damn, I, I, I want to go, you know, I was trying to look for it. And then I'm seeing it. It's like people are charging like 3X amount, 4X amount for it. You mean people are selling, are like I swear reselling to God. them for above market on I swear to God, dude. eBay? I, I wouldn't be surprised if you find it on StockX. <laughs> yeah, I gotta look for that. If that's happening, dude. then like I have a can next to me, which, <laughs> yeah. I, which I was gonna drink, but now I'm dude, not gonna drink it. I still, I still have one can. I'm like, every time I open my fridge, I'm like, I can't open this. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't. I, can't, I just look at it. We have a couple. We don't have much. But we have a couple extra cases. I'll, I'll send you guys some. Oh. <laughs> It's like crypto last year. Oh my god! <laughs> Appreciate that, man. But yeah, that's a heads up. Although I think now these cans have actually more intrinsic value than a than a crypto token. <laughs> Dude, this actually is my last can. I was thinking about drinking this during our. I'm thing. gonna open that right now. <laughs> don't, don't open this shit. <laughs> don't open this shit. Speaking about other Asian inspired beverages, like you said, there has been a growth of other Asian inspired uh, beverages, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. Yeah. How do you coexist in that space together? Are you competitors? Are you friends? Do you brainstorm? Because there is some overlap in your target market. Honestly, it's when you say you even say coexist because I think most of us would say like you should look at like our text threads because we're all in the same groups same group and like and like <laughs> actively sharing intelligence like with one another. They're like in WhatsApp. Yeah, I mean, one's one's in a WhatsApp, <laughs> one's in just like an iMessage thing. <laughs> there, there you go. The biggest thing that I would say is that, unlike a lot of other, I guess, like industries, there's actually a lot of value in all of us building together. There's actually a number of examples throughout the course of like consumer goods history where like that's been a positive sign to have multiple players involved. The coconut water wars of like the mid two thousands. The coconut that, water wars. I didn't even think about that. You're right. If you Google it, there's like a big. I don't know if it's in Fortune or Forbes, but like yeah. it's like pretty well documented. That's hilarious. That's a good point. And like, here's the reason. You know, if it were just Sanzo that was doing decently well or whatnot, you know, if you're walking into a grocery store, 
a lot of times these folks are still trying to figure out like where to place you. It's literally, do I put mm. them in the international section? Do I put them next to Spindrift or um, LaCroix or some Coca-Cola shit. or LaCroix or whatever? But what ends up happening is when there are at least two brands doing well, they end up getting their own section. Got you. Never thought about that. In total, you end up both getting more space. Got That's you. so true. Because if I'm there and I see one thing and I see a new thing next to it that I had not heard about, but they're placed next to each other, I would most likely try out that new beverage that's in the it's same section. Shot. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. It's intentional. Because yeah, I was always concerned. I'm like, there's new things coming up. Do they just step on each other's feet? Are they like chipping away at each other's profits somehow? But the fact yeah. that you can coexist and it creates like a new section for you, that is actually very, very good. And I'd say, look, like at some point, you know, at a certain large number, there's probably a bit more competition that happens. But I think all of us are still just so, so early on in our journeys and frankly, like, I don't know if I speak for everybody else, but I think we frankly all kind of need each other. Yeah, I agree. It's lonely to build alone and it's certainly not, and it wouldn't be as much fun. So it's like great to have like a, a, a sense of camaraderie, especially in a world like food and beverage, which is naturally a bit more uh, centered around hospitality. Look, we mm. also all know we're not, you know, we're not saving lives here. We're not, let's say, working at a nuclear power plant or we're not in, in surgery. Um, mm. you know, there you go over the past <laughs> couple of years too, you know, seeing what healthcare workers went through. Like we know we're not in those worlds. So there's just a level of like, hey, a rising tide really does lift all boats in our space. Is that how you got inspired for Sanzo? Like you were just like looking through the eyes like, damn, they don't have what I want. Like, I, don't, I wish they had this flavor. Yeah. I, so like, I mean, there are a couple different like, I guess like eureka moments, if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first big one for me was at my last job, our fridges were stocked with all these different sparkling water brands. Um, you know, we mentioned some of them like LaCroix, Bubbly, even some of the other, whatever other brands there were. But like, it was all the same exact flavors. <laughs> all the other brands were literally producing the same exact flavors. Right. Lime, lemon, apple, yeah. strawberry, yada, yada. Passion Watermelon. Fruit. Passion fruit. And they weren't using the real fruit. So it's like, it was all these like That's either true. artificial or like quote unquote natural flavors. Like that was definitely one of the first unlocks for me because you know you you mentioned vodka soda you know hold the vodka like some of those <laughs> kinds of beverages and like when you get served it at a bar they give you like a wedge like a lime wedge or a lemon wedge and I was like yeah. this tastes like the real thing why can't yeah, we have it's that? the real lemon yeah exactly yeah like why can't we have that in a in a can so that was definitely one of the first ones and then the second one for me definitely was hey all around me and especially living in New York like you're seeing um, and I do like restaurants I do like food and so just seeing the turnover in restaurants from being not just francophilic or or obsessed with like Italian cuisine to one that was being a lot more excited about Asian American entrepreneur restaurateurs and, 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 and owners seeing that was awesome, but it wasn't yet for me reflected at all in the grocery stores. And I was like, it's like, we're all eating and drinking, but why is the offering at restaurants like so far apart from what you can get in the right. grocery stores. Any pushback from, uh, I guess, in the beginning from non-Asian people? Because oh, some hate. Theoretically, if you're introducing a lychee-inspired seltzer water to an Asian person, they would get it. It clicks. True. It makes sense. They can picture yeah. the flavor. They want to try it. Was there any pushback from any um, from the other demographics about why you're doing this particular flavor? Um, I mean, especially from like the investor community, for sure. Like it was very. It was very hard to raise our first round of capital. I mean, I, it, it was all mm. my money that, yeah, that right. went in to the beginning of it. I often talk about how it's like it wasn't out of lack of effort. Um, it wasn't because I wanted to pour 
all of my money into it, but it was just the realities of it. And I just had such high conviction that this would be a thing. That's one of the good things about, I think, entrepreneurship and business is that like everyone can have their say, but ultimately, what does the consumer do? What does the customer do? And early on, we had good traction. Like in our first 10 stores, it was pulling off the shelf really, really well. And so that for me was like, okay, we can have this conversation at a high level, or we can, or you can try to shit on my pitch deck or our thesis, or we can go and actually follow where the dollars are going from the consumer. And to me, that is way more impactful. And look, if they weren't picking it up, um, you know, then that would be, then I would have been wrong or we would have had to change course. But I think the thesis was true, which was, hey, like both API are, were, and, and I think still are dramatically underserved by consumer goods companies and brands. And also, and again, I think this is like important. It's not just API. Like over the last decade, we've seen this influx of interest from outside of our community Absolutely. into yeah. our community. And and for me, like the, the unlock was that our manifestation is in food and beverage, but we were seeing it across like across entertainment, TV, film, music. Like yeah. I, I often talk about how like you couldn't have gotten the box office numbers at that Crazy Rich Asians got, that Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings got, that you couldn't have gotten some of the, the, the streaming numbers on Spotify that you know BTS and other K-pop groups have gotten from just Asian Americans. Like it, it, not, had, yeah. it had to be more than that. Is the fact that I guess the past couple of years we've had more movies, more faces on mainstream media, yeah. was that a tailwind that kind of helped you guys around the same time? Because you said you guys started in 2019, 2019. right? Just before the pandemic and everything. Yeah. Oh, 100%. The underlying founding thesis of the brand was, hey, look at what is happening in these other cultural categories that lead culture, that lead discussion. It lead, like right like TV, film and music leads the conversation. Even though, you know, several of us in our specific cohort is very much into food and beverage, um mm-hmm. even even though your average, you know, New Yorker or Angelino or a person from the Bay Area maybe more into food and beverage than your average person. If you still look at like overall interest, food and beverage and like foodie culture is like still honestly quite niche. It's gotten bigger, yeah, it is. but it's, it's still it's, it's still a bit more niche. So like what leads, right? Like what what are people consuming on a daily basis? Well, it's a especially now it's a ton of TikTok. <laughs> yeah, it's a ton <laughs> yes. of YouTube. It's a ton yeah. of Netflix. It's Spotify, right? It's it's and so all of these folks like are leading the conversation. Like American culture from TV, film, and music, like it really is our greatest import and it does educate and it does create yeah. conversations. To get back to like the heart of your question, you know, I think a lot, especially now, about what it took to greenlight Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and the budget that was required yeah. and just like how awesome it was that that, that happened, they took that risk. That they, they yeah. took that risk and it also paid off. And so it would be lying, uh, straight up lying, <laughs> if not dis- at least disingenuous to say that what's happened in broader pop, cult- broader pop culture has not had a direct impact on on the rise of our business. That's true. Can I ask you, um, were your parents freaking out when you decided, was like, mom, dad, I don't want to work at the nuclear plant. I want to make a carbonated beverage. <laughs> well, I had a couple pivots between that. So like that was my first three years out of college. And then I did two years in investment banking. And then I did five wow. years at... An apparel startup. Those are very three very yeah. different things. <laughs> so I was right. actually say by the time it came around to starting a beverage company, they were yeah. just like, 
we don't know what the hell you're doing. So, okay, fine. Like, like, make up your mind. Like, we gave up. We gave up like five years ago when you wanted to leave banking to go into apparel. So, like, oh. whatever. Um, the the hard, the hardest conversation was when I wanted to leave banking and go to this apparel startup and give up. Like, I took a seventy five percent pay cut. Oh Ooh. shit! That's a. Uh... Any Asian parent, they're just gonna faint. That's literally like your Bitcoin, just. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but self and self-imposed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Shit. Wow. That, Respect. That takes a lot of guts to do something Hell like yeah. that. Holy shit! It takes a certain kind of individual to give up that kind of career. <laughs> I'm having sweats right now just thinking about it. Try to give up that kind of career and then try to do something completely on your own. You're picturing your which, son. <laughs> I have a four-year-old son right now, <laughs> and as much as. I'm more, I would say, um, open with the way that I think. Yeah. If my son told me that, I might faint a little bit. <laughs> Is your mom now like more proud of you now that yeah. things have succeeded? Look, it helps. But at the end of the day, too, what I've learned about them as, as parents, and I think this happens with parents as well, is like you guide your kids as much as possible to a decision. And then ultimately, you know, as long as it's not like an amoral, an, an immoral decision or unethical decision that they're making. That's true. You get behind that. And so for moving to that previous startup where it took that 75% pay cut to launching this brand, there were a lot of questions and concerns. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I was I very much owned the decision. And so once that happened, it was like, you can hold this. It, they, they, they were great parents and they they... They ended up becoming the, the the biggest cheerleader that you know that that the brand has had. Like if you see my parents, you know the the back of their phone has all of the Sanzo stickers <laughs> on it, oh, and they're wow. our biggest and they're our biggest cheerleaders. That's amazing. The reason it was a bit easier for me to make the decision was mm-hmm. I had a different mindset. Ultimately, I guess it requires a certain level of self confidence or even like cockiness. Yeah, it know. does. Yeah, but for me, it was well. I already got to this point. Of being of like I could have this career, this life if I want to. I already got here. Like I'm 26, 27, and I could be on this. And so it's like, well, if I'm already here, then like I can leave and come back and get this. Yes, I was just gonna say that too. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing too. Like when you're at that age, when you're in your twenties, yeah. mid twenties, late twenties, that's the time of your life when you can take risks. When yes. if you want to do something crazy and that seems yeah. ridiculous to other people, that's the exact perfect time. You're like, all right, I'm gonna give this two years. And then it's like, you know, if I can't do it, it's not working, I'm out. Are there any other companies that you see or industries or branches that you can see like really making a difference going forward? Yeah. I mean, right now, and I'll disclose, I it's funny because you, you talked about how much of us are friends, supporters, or competitors. I have invested more recently in two beverage brands. <laughs> One is Kokata Chai Company, founded by Ani and Ayan Sanya. And like Sanya, they're the two brothers and they're like, hustlers. If folks are listening to this in New York, they got an awesome shop in the East Village. Um, their chai is like unbelievable and they're just unreal oh, sure. good storytellers um, and represent the culture super, super well. And then the other one is actually a bit closer to our space, but uh, I did just put in a small check, uh, put, small, put a small investment into the folks at Nectar. Uh, it's a hard seltzer brand based yeah, out, yeah, of, yeah. out of Southern California that has just been getting liquid death level and if not even better types of engagement on their podcast um and just they're just doing like i think they're i think both brands have done and i frankly i'm learning from these founders about how to be a more effective storyteller and how brand building is really about that like the product in many ways i wouldn't say it's second i actually don't want to say it's secondary because they're one a one b 
Yeah. Right. Right. You can't like ultimately your your product has to taste good. People have to like in order for people to drink it again, it has to taste good. But in order, for, but a lot of the key trick right now is getting people to try it in the first place for the first time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that comes through great storytelling. So right now, like, I think those are two brands that I've been quite excited to be part of and supporting their their journey. Yeah, I've seen their logos, their cans plastered on a bunch of uh, video podcasts that I watch too. Um, is there anything uh, coming up for Sanzo that you want to plug in and promote? Mm-hmm. Um, starting in March, we will be debuting a new flavor. And we'll be debuting a new pomelo flavor that will be launching first Ooh. exclusively on drinksanzo.com and at Whole Foods nationwide. And then throughout the course of next year, be rolling further out. But That's so I am good. quite, quite excited about this. And also for the folks who do enjoy their alcoholic beverages, my favorite summer drink <laughs> is a Paloma. Yeah. So like I can't wait to have this with tequila in the middle of <laughs> in the middle of July. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I literally just bought Pomelo uh, last night. Did you? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I just saw I was like, you know what? I'm in the mood for it. And I just bought it. So. <laughs> Very nice. So when is the durian flavor coming though? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> TBD. April first. Let's get to my favorite part of the whole podcast. It's ranting and raving. It's a quick, lighthearted way for us to wrap up every episode. Ben, I, and the guests always take a couple minutes just to rant about anything shitty going on in their lives or rave about something good. Most of the time, we're just venting and bitching <laughs> how it is. Ben, you want to take this one off? So we were talking about, you know, I went grocery shopping uh, last night. I still do this. You know how now we're trying to go plastic? Plastic free. Yeah, plastic free. Mm, so yep, every time you go yep. to a supermarket... They're like, oh, we don't carry plastic bags, but you could buy a tote bag, right? I'm getting to like a dangerous level of like having... <laughs> oh, yes. I keep rebuying tote bags because I keep forgetting to bring them with me. So now <laughs> I just I just have them like stacked up. I'm like, oh my God, I am ruining the environment I've right heard now. so many people complain about that where they're so bad at yes. bringing their bag with them. Or I'm guilty. You just, is that creating more waste than the actual paper plastic uh, it bags would have? In that it, period, it would, yes, right? It would. Yes, it would have a higher, it would, it would have a worse carbon footprint. Yes. Yes, I was just gonna say I am contributing to that right now. It's like I'm driving, I'm like driving like a 1960s Buick at this point. You know, just fucking smog coming out. Because yeah. I'm guilty of doing the same thing too. So sometimes what I actually do, is I'll just carry everything. Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I have like a fucking closet full of Target tote bags. You know, what, <laughs> I, you, know sounds, you know what I'm talking about. It's the gray bag with the yes. freaking Target. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I have a collection. Um, My rant for today is, and I hope you guys don't have this flavor coming up, pumpkin spice. Ooh. <laughs> this is a very hot take because I know people that like pumpkin spice That's me. fucking love their pumpkin spice. Uh, yeah. And then there's yep, people right. like me on the opposite side of the spectrum. I will be honest, I don't even hate the flavor. Yeah. I just hate all the culture around pumpkin spice everything. She's a hater. She's a hater. Pumpkin spice latte, pumpkin spice cookies. It, it gets out of control, dude. <laughs> just let's slow our roll with pumpkin spice everything. I know what to get you now. What? <laughs> pumpkin <laughs> spice candles? Yeah, getting, yeah, shit. Yep. I haven't had a pumpkin spice anything in about a decade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> At least. So that's my man um, right here. That's my man. Yeah. I do enjoy like Christmas blends of coffee type. Like, mm. I'm more of just a general coffee drinker. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So many things, pumpkin spice are just soda are just too darn sweet for me. Yes. Yeah. I do like festive things. Though. So like, I'm in. I'm down for like Starbucks red cup and all that stuff. But yeah, it's just what goes in it that I'm like, all right, we're, <laughs> we're good. Sandro takes that Starbucks cup. It's super festive, and he just pours his own seltzer into it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, please take the candy cane out of this, please. <laughs> 
Um, How about you, man? My rant, it's funny. My wife and I are like definitely getting like heavily into the Christmas spirit. So last night we were we wanted to watch we wanted to watch a movie. And I'll admit, I'm into like like again, I'm down for being like festive. I, mean, I love my Christmas first, movies. They're yeah, great. And, and this is my first year of of being married. So I'm like, I'm definitely down for all the cheesy stuff. But yeah. like and then I guess like, I could just look it up on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. But like, I do wish I knew which of the Netflix holiday movies were like actually worth watching because there's so many. And I'm just like, you know, I don't want to miss because I'll also be like, you know, I mean, I, like, I'm still kind of busy at work. So I'm like, I'm yeah. just so, I'm so scared of making a wrong decision. So <laughs> yep. last night we put on Home Alone. I was like, screw this. I'm going to Disney oh. Plus and we're just putting on OG okay. Home that's Alone. Good. Yeah, that's, that's a classic. That's a good choice. Yeah. And we enjoyed yeah. it. But like, yeah. I mean, again, like, I know I could just go on Rotten Tomatoes, I guess. But like, yeah. I just wish like whether there was like a TikTok account or Instagram <laughs> or Twitter account, it just actually like ranked like and, like one that I could trust. I mean, I know there's all these websites, but like one that I could really trust. I'm like, no, no, no. Watch, like actually watch these, these holiday few movies. movies. That's true. <laughs> What's your favorite holiday movie, by the way? Mine is, shit, what was the one with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Jingle oh, All the Way. Jingle All the Way. Jingle All yeah, the Way. That's a good with, one with Sinbad. Sinbad. Sinbad, and then they had Sinbad. the toy Turbo, Turbo Tur- Man, Turbo Man, the toy. That's a good one. That's a really good one. They tried to make a couple sequels to that, which I heard was trash. For real? I didn't even realize they made sequels to it. Yeah, yeah. me too. Look it up. God, I need my toy. <laughs> What's the one? What the? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the to chopper. <laughs> Let's get to the outro. Yeah. Sandra, man, a fun conversation today. I forgot to ask you one thing. Yo. I know the answer to this. <laughs> How did you get the name for uh, Sanzo? Yeah. So it's actually, you know, talk about being, uh, having a, a certain degree of self-confidence. Or <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's a mashup of my first and middle names. So my name is Alessandro Lorenzo. And honestly, it's like, if anyone ever, ever wants to start a brand, putting together a brand and, and getting it trademarked, uh, you'd be surprised how many good names are like already are already taken. And yeah. fortunately, this wasn't. I basically wrote down like the letters of my name on a sheet, and I was like, "How can I rearrange this into something that might be interesting?" And here we are now. <laughs> when I found that, I'm like, "Hmm, that's a lot of self confidence for this guy." <laughs> <laughs> he just named this product right after himself. <laughs> it's like Ben. If you come up with like a brand of kimchi, Ben, and you just call it Ben's ben. kimchi. <laughs> yeah, just, just Ben. Yeah, Benji. Yeah, Benji. <laughs> Okay. Uh, for those that do want to buy the product yes. and stay up to date with what the company is doing, where can they find them on the interwebs? Yeah. So if you just want to get it, you know, directly shipped to your house or apartment, easiest way is either going to drinksanzo.com or you can buy us on Amazon. And then we're sold nationwide at Whole Foods. Um, for folks who are in the you know, the, the southwest part of the country or even down south, um, yeah. you know, we're sold at every Sprouts. And then we're also sold if you're in the Bay Area in every Safeway. Oh, so nice. check oh, us Safeway, out. Yes. Yeah. So check nice. us out there. Oh, last one too. We're sold in over a thousand Panda Expresses. So if you specifically really? like our lychee flavor, buy our lychee at Panda Express. Oh shit. That's what's up, man. Also you can find you uh find your products on StockX and uh <laughs> and eBay. <laughs> Please do not support those people on yeah. eBay and StockX. Yo, for you guys scalping, go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I'm so thirsty for that shit. All the profits from that particular one go to charity. Yeah. So yeah. in some way, I guess if you are going to scalp it, then donate a large chunk of the that. net profits to the same charity. Then <laughs> then we would be okay with that. Yeah. So go to the JeremyLynnFoundation.org. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, okay. If you guys want to stay up to date with what Ben and I are doing on doing on a daily basis, visit www.worstasianpod.com. We are on all the social medias at Worst Asian Pod. 
unlike what Sandra was saying, mm -hmm. you name yourself worse something, you can trademark that shit because no one has trademarked worse We're blah, blah, blah of anything. <laughs> All right, guys. On behalf of Sandra, Ben, and myself, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Peace.